reading from the first book of Samuel. Samuel was sleeping in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. The Lord called to Samuel who answered, here I am. Samuel ran to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. I did not call you, Eli said, go back to sleep. So he went back to sleep. Again, the Lord called Samuel who rose and went to Eli. Here I am, he said, you called me. But Eli answered, I did not call you my son, go back to sleep. At that time, Samuel was not familiar with the Lord because the Lord had not yet revealed anything to him as yet. The Lord called Samuel again for the third time. Getting up and going to Eli, he said, here I am, you called me. Then Eli understood that the Lord was calling the youth. So he said to Samuel, go to sleep, and if you were called, reply, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. When Samuel went to sleep in his place, the Lord came and revealed his presence, calling out as before, Samuel, Samuel. Samuel answered, speak, for your servant is listening. Samuel grew up, and the Lord was with him, not permitting any word of his to be without effect. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. waited, waited for the Lord, and he stooped toward me and heard my cry, and he put a new song into my mouth, a hymn to our God. Here I am, Lord, here I am, Lord, I come to do your will. Sacrifice or offering you wished not, but ears upon, open to obedience you gave me. Holocaust or sin offerings you sought not. Then said I, behold, I come. Here I am, Lord, here I am, Lord. I come to do your will. In the written scroll, it is prescribed for me to do your will. O oh my God is my delight, and your law is within my heart. Here I am, Lord, here I am, Lord, I come to do your will. I announce your justice in the vast assembly. I did not restrain my lips, as you, O oh Lord, know. reading 
from the first letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians. Brothers and sisters, the body is not for immorality, but for the Lord. And the Lord is for the body. God raised the Lord and will also raise us by his power. Did you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? But whoever is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Avoid immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the immoral person sins against his own body. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? For you have been purchased at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. John was standing with two of his disciples, and as he watched Jesus walk by, he said, Behold the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard what he had said and followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following him and said to them, What are you looking for? They said to him, Rabbi, which translated means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, Come, and you will see. So they went and saw where Jesus was staying, and they stayed with him that day. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, the brother of Simon Peter, was one of the two who heard John and followed Jesus. He first found his own brother Simon and told him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated Christ. Then he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon the son of John. You will be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. The, the very first baptism that I performed over at the, uh, the font in the new position when we had finished with the renovation was of a six-year-old boy who was really excited that he was about to get baptized. And so as we start 
the ceremony, he says to me, Deacon Ed, why do they call it baptism? Good question, fair question. I said, well, the word comes from Greek. It means to take a bath. He was like, why do they call it that? You know, six-year-old boy, right? But this is a six-year-old boy being a theologian, okay? The, the, the definition of theology is faith-seeking understanding. So this kid had faith. He wanted to be baptized, but he wanted to understand what was going on. And he asked a really great question. So I explained to him that in all the sacraments, there is both a physical side and a spiritual side. So, for example, in baptism, when we feel the dirt washing off of us, we know that on the spiritual side, our soul is being cleansed of sin. It's a terrific question. Six-year-old theologian among us, right? But it goes to the heart of our understanding of what exactly are we as human beings? What kind of creatures are we? So think about this for just a minute. Are human beings a body that has a soul? Or are human beings a soul that happens to be trapped inside of a body? Think about that a minute. Are we a soul trapped inside a body, or are we a body that has a soul? You don't have to answer. You have to answer. Just think about it. It's a trick question. The answer is neither. We are a body-soul composite, both together at the same time. This is quite different from every other thing that God created. For example, the, the angels are pure spirits, okay? Animals, trees, rocks, plants, the other things in creation are pure physical form, okay? But we, as people of faith, understand that God created us as a body and soul unity, and he gave us the opportunity to use that body and soul to live our lives learning to know, love, and serve him. Now, Jesus Christ added one other thing to that. He called us to a mission of going out and making disciples of other people so that they, too, may learn how to know, love, and serve God. Now, this uh, sort of dual understanding of a human as a body and a soul is at the heart of what made St. Paul have to write his letter to the Corinthians. Corinth was a, a port city in Greece, a very big, important international city. And like almost all port cities, it had a you know, wild reputation like you know, New Orleans or Singapore or you know, any other port like that. And so this false understanding of what a human being was naturally arose in this urban atmosphere. It was a heresy that we call dualism. Now, dualism has taken on many forms over the centuries, but at its core, what it all the various versions of it have in common is the belief that the human soul is holy, but that the human body is either evil or of no consequence whatsoever. So you can do whatever you want with it. You can treat it harshly with strict ascetic practices to try to beat it into submission. Or you can just be quite the libertine and enjoy all the pleasures of life. But again, this is a false understanding. Okay? We are not one or the other. We are a unique combination of both. And the Corinthians had drifted into this idea that they could do whatever they wanted with their bodies because their souls were saved. 
they didn't understand properly. And so Paul's letter addresses a lot of problems that arose from this false understanding. Uh, Very much so, he uh, expounds on various uh, forms of sexual immorality in the region, some of which were tied to pagan fertility prostitution cults. You can understand why those might have been popular in, in some sections there. But again, it was a false idea. So Paul has to correct the Corinthians in this letter. And he says, our bodies are made for Christ. Further, these same bodies are going to be resurrected like Christ was into a perfected body and reunited with our soul after death. See, that's the, that's the price we've had to pay for original sin. At death, our souls and our bodies are separated. So when we die, we are not what God intended us to be, this body and soul union. So Paul tells them to use their bodies as intended by God for the service of Christ and his church. And in doing so, they must recognize that their bodies had to be respected. This teaching carries down to us today. The church teaches even in death, the body has to be respected. That's why we have funerals. That's why we bury bodies. Even cremated ones are supposed to be buried. You don't keep grandma on the shelf in your closet, okay? You don't fire grandpa out of a cannon over the field of Verdun because he fought in World War I. You don't, you don't take them to Disney World and scatter them in the haunted mansion, okay? Believe it or not, people do that. Disney actually has a crew that sits there with night vision goggles and watches out for that. We don't do that. We respect the body. The body is to be used to serve Christ and its church. But the specifics of how each one of us is to use that is determined by the call that God gives to us as individuals. In both readings today, our first reading and our our gospel reading, our two main readings, we see some examples of how calls are maybe misunderstood or misinterpreted. Samuel at first doesn't recognize he's being called. He has to be called three times before he realizes, oh yeah, that's that's God. I should have known. Okay, now, it took him a while to realize it. In the gospel, the disciples, they recognize they've got a call right away, but they're not sure what's going on. So what does Jesus tell them? Come and see. Come and see. In other words, prayerfully discern what it is you're being called to do. Now, for each one of us, the call is as different as our bodies are different. And the differences in our bodies remind us of the different gifts and charisms that God gives each and every one of us for the building up of his church. Not everybody's called to do the same things. So if you're young or old or tall or short or fat or skinny, black or white, male or female, any other difference you can think of, don't worry about it. God has called you as you are, as you are, to serve him with the entirety of your being, body and soul, together. The implication of this is that you are made as God intended you to be. When he created you, he made you as you were intended to be. And if you think that you're really something else trapped inside of a body that's different, then either you are mistaken or God is mistaken. Or even worse, 
God is lying. I don't believe God lies, and I don't believe God makes mistakes. So this is something that needs to be taken to prayer and thought about, meditated about, especially in today's society. We have to seek to understand how God is calling us and what he is calling us to do. And we need to take that to prayer, discerning it, and then living it out as best we can. It's a call that can change as our life progresses. You know, we can be one thing in our youth, another thing uh, maybe be called to be parents at some point, grandparents at another point, but always being open to what is God calling you? What is the next thing God needs you to do in your life? Because he's created you to do something with your life, not just to be sitting around. If we feel inadequate because of our bodies, because of something we don't like about ourselves, or because of a seeming lack of importance, I'm here to tell you, don't let that bother you at all. Our church history is full of people who either thought themselves too insignificant or other people thought they were so insignificant, and yet they turned out to be great saints. I'll give you three examples. The first one I'm not so sure you've heard of. Uh, he's a Canadian. His name is Brother Andre Besset, or Besset. Okay? I see one nodding head. Brother Andre was thought so poorly of by the members of his order that they gave him the most menial task they had. He was the doorkeeper. In other words, when people would come to see the other priests, he was the one who opened the door and invited them in to sit down. But what Brother Andre did was as he opened the door and invited them in, it was as as if each one of them was Christ himself coming in through that door. And people noticed And after a while, people came to the monastery just to talk to the doorman because of his holiness, his prayerfulness for them. I'll give you another that you probably have heard of. St. Therese of Lisieux, the little flower. Therese entered a monastery, a, a convent at a very young age, became a nun. But she also became quite ill very young. She ultimately died at only the age of 24. In fact, at the beginning of her illness, a lot of her sister uh, nuns thought maybe she was faking it, gold-bricking, you know, just laying around in bed. But after a while, it became obvious, no, she was ill, she was going to die. And so she felt so small, so insignificant, she was not going to do the great things that she hoped to do as a nun. And in prayer, she realized that in her smallness, she could still serve God. She came up with what she calls her little way, that even when you do small things, For God, with great love, it is as if they are the greatest thing that you've done for God. It leads one to holiness. It's something anybody can do. My third example, I'm not going to tell you his name at first, but I'm going to tell you his story. This is a guy who wanted to be a priest, desperately wanted to go into seminary, but he kept getting turned down over and over again, different uh, seminaries. Okay, Finally, he gets accepted. But because he was kind of short, kind of fat, and he talked really slowly and haltingly, they gave him the nickname, the Dumb Ox. We know him today as St. Thomas Aquinas, the second most quoted person in our catechism, by the way. 
So never give up hope. Never think that you are too small or insignificant or unable to serve as you are because that's how God has called you. The Lord himself comes to us humbly in each Mass just as a little piece of bread and wine. But when those things are changed into his substance, what power they have to us. And so therefore, my friends, strengthened by his gift and following his example, let us glorify God with all our body and soul together. Glorify God and live in joyful hope of our own resurrection. God love you.